0: Do you desire to obey all that God has commanded you to do when it comes to disciplining your children, but you aren't sure how? When you do administer discipline, are you concerned that you might not be doing it the right way? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Do your kids just love getting mail? Do you go to the mailbox with them and sift through the mountain of paper like coupon for mold removal? Yeah, don't need that, hopefully. Electric bill, ouch. Bathing suit magazine you didn't request? Um, no thank you. But what if your kids went to the mailbox with you to find an engaging current events magazine just for them, presented from a biblical worldview? God's World News is just that, and so much more. They offer bi-monthly print magazines and corresponding online content that will walk your kids through current events in age-appropriate ways, from toddlers all the way to teens. Just go to gwnews.com ginger to get a free copy of God's World News. Again, that's gwnews.com slash ginger to help your kids build their news literacy so they can better live out the gospel. Well, Ginger, we have spent the past few weeks talking about why we discipline and also when we discipline. And this topic is by far the one we receive the most questions about from our listeners. But today we're going to address something we've been pretty slow to talk about on our show simply because it can be such a lightning rod, Uh, no pun intended on the rod, Uh, but we're going to discuss the rod. You know, there are some who dismiss the corporal interpretation of the rod and claim that it's more of a staff used to properly guide something or someone along the proper path or direction, like a shepherd's crook being used to block the path of danger for sheep or for gently nudging them in another direction. So, Ginger, how about you start us off with the biblical definition of the rod?
1: Well, according to Strong's Concordance, rod is from the Hebrew word shabet, and it is literally a stick. In parentheses, it says, for punishing, riding, fighting, ruling, walking, etc. If Shabbat could only mean a rod of guidance, we wouldn't have the command for it to be used as a consequence in Proverbs 23 verses 13 and 14. Those verses say, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and save them from death. Hmm. Clearly the rod in these
0: verses is intended for disciplining children. And it's interesting that we're word- Punish is used there. Punish them with the rod. Um, Mm -hmm. Ginger, I use the ESV Bible translation in my personal Bible study. And many of the Proverbs that refer to the rod describe it as a rod for striking. So those same two verses you read say this in the ESV. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Um, will you be able to secure salvation for your child by using the rod? No, that is not what this verse is saying. But using the rod is one of the means by which we are called to drive the foolishness out of the hearts of our children. Listen to Proverbs twenty nine fifteen: The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So if you're still not convinced that the rod refers to corporal punishment, then I strongly recommend you do a word study and see what the Holy Spirit will reveal, because withholding something that God requires in his word is likened to hatred of our children. Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Interestingly, there was an Englishman by the name of Samuel Butler who lived back in the 1600s. He took this verse and in an act of mockery, shortened it to say, spare the rod, spoil the child. And he was actually poking fun at the Puritans of his day. So let's make sure we don't conflate his abbreviation, his satire, with what God's word actually says. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And Ginger, I know we've said this before, but it always bears repeating as often as we discuss this topic. We are to use the rod sparingly and with complete self-control, without any anger or malice toward our children. It is better for parents to refrain from physically disciplining their children for a season of time until they're able to do so biblically rather than to administer it in such a way that it violates God's command for parents to discipline with love, gentleness, and self-control.
1: That's right, Katie. If any of our listeners view the rod as anything other than a self-controlled act of love that imparts wisdom, I strongly encourage them to not use it until they're able to administer it in the way God intends. I recently had a very sweet friend message me saying, it's sad that some parents think it's okay to whip their children based on Scripture. Don't you find it ironic that we tell little ones, don't hit anybody, and yet we hit them? Well, what's sad to me is how misguided that line of thinking is. Whipping and hitting are not the same as biblically disciplining. Mm -hmm. There is a big difference between a child defiantly hitting a parent out of rebellion or a child angrily hitting another child out of selfishness, versus a parent lovingly disciplining a child out of a desire to encourage wisdom over foolishness. Mm -hmm. One is a sinful reaction to a sinful motive. The other is a righteous response
0: to a righteous motive. Can I chime in here, Ginger? We've given this example before, but if if a parent is screaming at a child to not run into a street with traffic, is Mm -hmm. that the same thing as screaming at your child in anger? Those are two very different motives behind the screaming. So if we tell parents across the board, never scream, never yell at your children, it just doesn't apply. And I think that is a, a good parallel to what we're talking about here. Disciplining with control and love is so different from hitting our children. It has to be. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. And talking about the rod, we do have to keep in mind also that physical discipline is only part of Of God's plan for parents. Mm -hmm. God has given us a balanced approach for raising our kids. It involves not just careful, timely, and controlled use of physical discipline, but also faithfulness in training and instructing. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 6 4 makes it clear that if we do not follow through with God's balance of training and instructing, we will exasperate our children. That verse says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. If all we do is administer consequences for wrong behavior, all they learn is that there are consequences for wrong behavior. Biblical discipline is not just about getting kids to act right so that they can avoid consequences. It's about helping them understand that they are sinners in need of a Savior and motivating them to honor God with their lives by pursuing His glory over their own. That means We do more than just administer consequences. We point them to the life-giving truths of the gospel. We show them wisdom for how to live in ways that please God and bring Him the glory He deserves. That wisdom is found only in His Word, so that's where we take them. The Bible contains the whole counsel of God, which gives instructions for His perfectly orchestrated balance. We implement that balance by administering God's consequences when they disobey and affirming God's promises when they obey. Hmm. When little Amy disobeys, we say, sweetheart, it says right here in Ephesians 6, that when you disobey me, you're disobeying God. And here in Proverbs 23, it says that it's my responsibility to discipline you when you choose to disobey. And on the flip side, when little Derek chooses to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart, we affirm God's promises. Honey, I noticed that you put your toy down and came quickly and joyfully when I called you. It says right here in Colossians 3 that when you obey mom and dad, it pleases God. And here in Ephesians 6, it says that it will go well with you. Taking children to Scripture for both the consequences and promises of God is all part of his balance for bringing them up in the discipline, instruction, and wisdom of the Lord. God's plan for discipline is to deter children from living for self and fleshly desires, which lead to death, to living for Jesus, which leads to life. That's the balance. Mm. Romans 8 verses 5 and 6 say, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So the balance is helping them understand both the consequences and the blessings of their choices. Mm.
0: Well, on the last two episodes, we talked about why God calls parents to discipline and when to discipline. Today, we've talked about how the biblical use of the rod is a small part of God's wise and loving plan for bringing children up in the ways of the Lord. Now let's talk about how to discipline biblically. All right. I'm just going
1: to run through some of the guidelines I've listed in my book. Don't make me count to three. For okay. Just part. kidding. Stop right
0: there. Uh, because I want to interject <laughs> for our listeners to say, if you haven't read this book, and this is an area of parenting that you're struggling to figure out, please pause this episode right now. Go to gingerhubber.com, add don't make me count to three to the cart, put the code parenting, in before you check out so you can get 10% off and then come back to this episode. And I promise you guys, that book changed my life. Honestly, it changed the lives of my entire family, my kids, my husband. I think even my kids' grandparents have been changed because of the principles we learned in this book and implemented in our lives. We saw what is possible when God's word is rightly applied. And I know, Ginger, well enough to know that this all makes her very uncomfortable because she was simply being obedient to God's direction in her life and using His words and His wisdom to write her books. But I'm just so encouraged that now generations of children have been raised with the truths of her book, not to make you feel old or anything, Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you emphasize the generation. Many generations of people.
1: (laughs) But that's okay. Okay. Katie. I am old. This generational thing, that's what's helped me to learn to accept it. It's funny because for so many years, I had young parents come up to me at events to tell me how Don't Make Me Count to Three was helping them raise their kids. Now, most of them start that conversation out by saying how their parents found the book helpful in raising them and then handed it down for raising their grandkids. Now, that makes me feel old. (laughs)
0: Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently. And each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Ginger, give us those guidelines you have in your book for how to discipline our children. First, discuss what your child has done wrong
1: and why it's your responsibility to discipline him. You might probe his heart by asking him questions like, honey, was God pleased with what you did? What was wrong with what you did? And make sure he knows that you discipline him because you love him too much to allow sin to grow in his heart. Mm. Second, guide your child in thinking through what he should have done. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we're told that God always provides his children with a way out. He always gives them a means to escape sin. So ask your child, sweetheart, what could you have done in this situation that would have been better? That's teaching them how to think like a Christian. Give him time to think through a better way. He could have responded on his own. But if you have to, if you need to uh, suggest a biblical alternative, that sinful behavior, that's okay, too. A third guideline I offer in the book is to discipline as promptly after the offense as possible. I really encourage you to not drag it out. Don't overdo reproof. Mm. That's torturous for kids. And adults. Get it over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, seriously. (laughs) Get it over with as quickly as possible and remind them that they have a fresh start to make a better choice next time. And then let it go. Clean slate, new start. The fourth guideline is to administer discipline in private. Remember that your goal is not to embarrass or humiliate your children, but to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord
0: and point them to their need for Jesus. I think this one seems obvious, but it can get out of control when parents are caught up in the moment, especially when out in public and there's an audience. But if our goal is to reach the heart of our child then humiliating them in a public setting, even if it's with other family members, is a mm-hmm. guaranteed way to distract them from the purpose at hand. Because instead, they're going to be so focused on how embarrassed they are that other people are watching. And if you doubt that, if you've ever done this, you see them dart their eyes to the other people who are there. And not, not that I've been guilty of this ever, um, but that's what they do. They start looking around to see who's observing this and what is their reaction. Also, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I think it's a really bad idea to tease our children with the threat of physical discipline. I heard a parent at the ball fields just the other day say to their young child, I bet Mrs. So-and-so has a spanking spoon in her purse. And when the child inevitably started crying, the mom said, I was just teasing you. And then she proceeded to console the child. And I cannot imagine how confusing That is for a child. You know, discipline is never something we should tease or threaten our children with at any time.
1: Mm, That's exactly right, Katie. Teasing children about discipline is cruel and empty threats will cause them to question our word, which can create insecurities. Mm -hmm. The fifth guideline for administering discipline is to have a period of reconciliation. This requires the parents' forgiveness. When our children sin, we are not to hold a grudge. I once had a mom tell me after discipline, her child always wanted to hug her and for their relationship to be immediately restored. And it just broke my heart when this mom told me that she could not hug and forgive right away. Oh, she said she needed time to cool off. Oh, y'all, we are commanded to forgive just as Jesus forgave and to forgive without delay. Mm. No matter what our children have done or how bad they've embarrassed or disrespected or hurt us, it's nothing compared to what we did to the spotless lamb of God. Mm. It was because of our sins against him that he suffered and died on the cross at Calvary. And in the heat of the moment, while he hung there suffering and agonizing and unbearable physical and spiritual pain, his love and forgiveness were evident in his words. He said, Father, forgive them. Mm. Jesus didn't take time to cool off. His forgiveness was instant and complete. We have no right to withhold forgiveness from our children, even in the heat of the moment. Holding a grudge is sinful. Mm. Colossians 3.13 says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What a holy and
0: sacrificial example of true love that Jesus set for us that day. That is so sad. Ginger, and I agree, this mom should never hesitate to be restored and reconciled with her child. Um, But if anger and resentment are a barrier to that restoration, I think it would have been better for the mom to delay the discipline until she could get her own heart and mind right before the Lord. Otherwise, how much more damage might be done by rejecting the child's need for that affection once the discipline is done? And that's what we're after, Is for the restoration of the relationship because Mm -hmm. that's what sin creates is a division there. So he, the child was doing exactly what God intends through the Mm -hmm. act of discipline. So Mm -hmm. to reject that is so damaging to them spiritually and emotionally. Yes, it is. Okay, Ginger, what's the sixth guideline? Require the child to make restitution.
1: Now, in most cases with small children, this is simply a matter of having the child go back and practice what is right. In some cases, restitution might entail more. Perhaps the child stole a piece of candy. Restitution would be in asking for forgiveness and paying back the owner for the candy. Restitution is more than just asking for forgiveness. It's going back and making things right. And it's a very important part of training them in righteousness.
0: Well, and making them apologize. I've seen in and maybe I've been guilty of this too, but the parent going with the child and saying, Say you're sorry. And then they don't. The parent says, We're sorry. And then they walk off. And that's mm-hmm. not exactly what we're looking for here. Uh, but I can attest personally to how powerful the act of restitution is. When I was a toddler, I think I was a toddler, I stole a piece of candy from a grocery store where my aunt was working. And like a foolish toddler, I proceeded to eat it in front of my mother, like, I mean like I just have candy appearing out of my pockets from nowhere (laughs) Well, she marched my little chunky self back to that store and made me apologize to my aunt And I don't remember many moments in my childhood because I have a horrible memory, but I absolutely Remember that and I don't think I stole anything ever again
1: I stole one time too katie and I wish it had just been a piece of candy But I stole a pregnancy test from a grocery store my senior year of high school. Mm. Some of my fellow students worked in that grocery store, and I was afraid and embarrassed for them to know, and I was also afraid of the rumors that might start. So that's why I stole it instead of going up to the register to pay for it, and that's how I justified stealing it. Mm. But the Lord kept after me. Many years later, I finally went back into that store, confessed to the manager what I had done, and explained how God had convicted me. I was already married. When I did that, that's how much God kept convicting me about it and just not letting it. It was something in my life that needed to be restored. It was something, mm. uh, uh, somewhere where up, uh, it was an area in my life where I needed to make restitution. And so I went in, and the manager told me not to worry about it. And he told me that I didn't have to pay him back. He didn't want to take the money, but I insisted. I told him I needed to be obedient to the Lord and honor the Lord by making restitution. And the manager just kind of looked at me like I was crazy, but who knows? Maybe <laughs> God used it in his life somehow, too. He sure used it in mine to clear my conscience. I walked out of that store with a burden
0: that I had carried around for many years lifted. And, you know, it just occurred to me, Ginger, if, if our children are believers and there are we'll say it this way, opportunities like this that we're presented with as parents. And we are requiring that they go and make restitution. What a great way to talk to them later about the witnessing opportunity there. Because like you said, Mm -hmm. that man could have come to know the Lord through that situation. We don't know. But Mm -hmm. uh, what an opportunity to lead others to Christ through our obedience to the Lord. So, okay, Ginger, what is the seventh and final principle you have for us regarding how to discipline our children biblically? Be consistent with discipline. If that's a struggle for you,
1: I very much encourage you to go back and listen to episode three. And Katie, I find it really interesting that the third episode we did back when we first started airing back in February of 2021 is our number one most downloaded episode to this day. Mm-hmm. That one obviously struck a chord with a lot of parents. And I think it's because being consistent with discipline is hard. But y'all, it is so important and vital for the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of our children. Inconsistency is unfair and exasperating. It sends mixed signals, causes confusion, and leads to insecure children who walk on eggshells because they don't know what to expect. There's a great sense of security in knowing what to expect. As I mentioned earlier, a secure, confident, and anger free child is one who knows his boundaries and is consistently corrected when he oversteps them. Mm. Consistency with discipline is key, but remember that it takes more than just physical consequences to train children in the wisdom of the Lord. God's balance also involves faithful training and instructing. Proverbs 29, 15 tells us that the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left
0: to himself disgraces his mother. Again, listeners, these are just a few of the guidelines for discipline that Ginger has listed in her book called Don't Make Me Count to Three. Now was the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of Casey in California, and here's what she says. My daughter had to cancel a lot of things during COVID, including her birthday party. Once things calmed down, we saved up and surprised her with a theme park trip she had always wanted. When we told her about it, she started crying. And I said, baby, are you crying? And she said, no, I'm just so happy that my eyes are leaking. <laughs> She says, praise God for these sweet memories I love that And I'm going to start using that My eyes are leaking I'm not crying I'm not crying You're crying (laughs) If you have a kid quip for our show We would love to hear from you It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said Or it can even be something funny you said as a child Just go to gingerhubbard.com That's Q-U-I-P-S To submit those
1: And speaking of California, I'll be headed that way in just a couple of weeks. I'll be speaking at a parenting and homeschool conference in Downey, California, July 13th through 15th. So if any of you guys are near that area, I would absolutely love to meet you. You can find a link with more information and how to register for this
0: event in our show notes. Well, Ginger, I want to thank you for your wisdom during our three-week study on discipline, the why, when, and how of it. Can you leave our listeners with a final word of encouragement today?
1: Biblical discipline is one of the most loving things we can do for our children. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Here we see that God equates discipline with love. So when we carefully discipline our children with the motive of love that God intends,
0: our children will equate discipline with love. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you, listeners, for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? We love these, we read these, and it helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. You can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can also find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, which thoroughly covers the how-to discipline children biblically at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you don't have time to read, or maybe you're one of our international listeners who doesn't wanna pay an arm and a leg for shipping, and we get it, well, great news. Today, we're also offering a discount on Ginger's Reaching the Heart of Your Child digital download. This is based on some of the same content of Ginger's book, Don't Make Me Count to Three. Uh, Session one is called How to Reach the Heart of Your Child. Session two is How to Give a Biblical Reproof. And session three is the biblical use of the rod. So just use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com to get 10% off of your order. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.